There is a problem that every business inevitably runs into. It doesn't matter what your niche is, doesn't matter what you do, you will have this problem. Every business. Every business. Pricing. Ooh, pricing. Yes. Now, more specifically in this episode, we're going to talk about like when you price too low and especially inside of a niche, the problems that can be brought. I mean, it can literally take your entire business down. In fact, it has taken one of our businesses down in the past. Oh. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in today's episode, starting now. Do you wish your life away waiting for Friday? Do you dread Sunday nights and Monday mornings? My wife and I have spent over a decade building an online business while raising a family. I quit my cubicle job to live the life I wanted, to experience freedom, and we want to help you do the same. We're Chris and Laura. Welcome to Fearless Together. All right, so pricing. Pricing is such a big topic that we're not going to touch on every aspect of it in a 10 or 20 minute podcast episode. No. Okay. So we're going to maybe talk about pricing over a few episodes, but this is so important for businesses to get. It's easy to mess up. It's easy. It's, what's sad is it's actually kind of an easy-ish concept when you think about it in a very basic way. But I think we overcomplicate things and you forget the fundamentals, right? And ultimately, what pricing comes down to, right? You, you have, you've taken advanced price theory in college, right? Like, yes. It was your favorite class, I think, right? It was not my favorite class, but I took it. <laughs> You know, so there, there's a lot of, um, you can, you can get into the science of it, right? You can get of into course. the advanced price theory. If you charge supply, it, demand, all supply that yeah, supply and demand, <laughs> where like... does it intersect with your price going up and demand? Yeah. You, it get, can get messy. But when we're talking about your business, right? Let's say you're a, a solo entrepreneur with a single product, right? Yeah. What's the price of that product ultimately got to be? It has to be the cost of the value or the, the lifestyle that you enjoy or want divided by the cost of your product. And then you know how many sales you have to make each month, how many units you're going to sell. Exactly. It's very simple. The problem that I think people get into is they forget that, Oh, I'm trying to fund my lifestyle. And then they look at the product or service or whatever it is that they're offering. And they go, I feel like this is worth $7. And then it's like, okay, cool. So you only have to sell like, 500 of those, you know, in a single month to fund your entire business enterprise and Wonderful. your lifestyle. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and obviously I'm, I'm just making up numbers here. I, I think that comes out to like $35,000 or something, but, or no, that's $3,500, right? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm messing up my zeros here, but what I'm getting at is uh, it really is that simple, right? If you have a lifestyle that costs $10,000 a month, right? You have to sell a thousand copies of a $10 product just to make your lifestyle, right? And that doesn't sound impossible until you realize that in order, most, mostly in order to succeed online, you usually have to do what we call niching down inside mm -hmm. of your business, right? And what I mean by that is the big players have the market covered, right? If you want to sell soap, you don't just sell soap, right? No. Because all of the major companies 
dial uh, soft. Yeah, you got Col- Colgate, Paul Olive, Procter & Gamble that own like 30 different brands of soap. You got all the major stores that either have factories that produce their own soap or um, or they buy it from the major players and rebrand it. Right. You can't just be soap. You can't just be soap, right? You have to go boutique, right? And it used to be enough back in the day, like, oh, I do handmade soap, right? I make it you know, in small batches, except go to Etsy now and you'll just see an, an ocean of, of beautiful beauty. handmade soap. Exactly. And you could... I do organic. Same thing on Etsy, right? Like the you have to really start to niche down, right? Certain fragrances, right? I've even seen soaps made specifically for men, right? With, I, was, I literally was going to mention men's soaps. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've seen soaps not only designed specifically for men, but also intended specifically for the face, right? Like for for the facial hair or for the facial hair, right? We're starting to niche down. How hyper-targeted is that, right? It's handmade organic soap for men's beards. <laughs> right. I mean, you got to prevent that beard dandruff for... <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm telling... Like, so, we're, you know, we got... You, you go hyper-niche. And here's the problem with going hyper-niche. The more niche you go, right? The reason you go hyper-niche is because you have less competition, right? There's far fewer people selling... Men's Men's scented beard soap. (laughs) (laughs) I love this example. (laughs) Then there are people just selling hand soap. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And so, great. You've got a very specific niche, much fewer competitors. But the problem is you've now eliminated at least half of the marketplace, right? I'm not buying beard soap. I promise. Exactly. (laughs) Women, for the most part, are out, right? Yeah. You've also lost the men that can't grow a decent beard, right? Yes. Yeah, you'd lose them. You also lose the men that don't care about boutique soap, right? Like We know lots of men with beards that don't want beard soap. <laughs> exactly. Like, like like I said, you're you've so you've got this tiny market of people that you have to serve. And here's the problem. If you need to sell 10,000 bars of this soap every single month, to pay all your bills, to live your lifestyle and all that good stuff, right? And your audience of customers is only 3,000 people, which I'll be honest, I'm sure it's a much larger market, but oh, I'm just, yeah. this is just to illustrate, right? You need each person to buy three bars of soap roughly a month. You're probably not going to pull that off. Yeah. Right? So that's where your pricing comes in. You need to charge more. And then you need, then you end up with fewer customers. Now, yes, you may run into a situation where it's like, no one's going to spend $500 on this bar of soap, right? That's a problem. Right. And that, and that problem would be addressed in your early planning yeah, of your product. Exactly. In your plan, you know, it may not be, it, you, at that point, your feedback might be, uh, you shouldn't be a one product business or you need to build more value around it. And we'll talk about that in some other episodes, but what I wanted to get at is when you're building out your business, you do need to do these basic things, right? You may find out from the get-go. We've seen this on Shark Tank a number of times where they go, it's it's a cute business. It's a great home business, but it's not a business for an investor. It's too tiny, right? right? You may, if you do this math right, if you go, okay, my lifestyle costs this much and I have this product and in order to you know, I want to sell it at this price. Oh, I need to sell 10,000 of these. 
could you realistically picture yourself packaging 10,000 of whatever it is and mailing them out? Right. Do you have that much time in your life? You know, do you like there, you will start to see all of these constraints. I see where you're going with this. You're just trying to like bring up our biz, our, our, our failed Etsy business. No, we're not trying to. It's <laughs> just all, all roads lead to Rome, right? You know. Yes, we had we had an Etsy shop, and one of the things that we did was we created. I created handmade greeting cards, and this was not only handmade greeting cards. You also did custom. Yes, I did custom greeting cards, especially for like weddings and graduation, where I would like create a a pretty much a, a card stock designed for that person for that the. It was it was a great card, and I sold many of them. But the problem was, I was making sure that my prices were competitive to Hallmark. You were competing with Hallmark, and I can't do that. No. I am a single person, you know, making cards at my dining room table, using my own printer to print out custom cardstock, like. You know, gluing all of the pieces together. Oh, yeah. And while my cards were beautiful, I anytime I got an order, I had to put all my other work aside and go into card maker mode. And, yeah, I'm shipping out cards. And there's no way at the price that I was charging could that business ever have been viable with our lifestyle. Like, yeah. It, it just wouldn't have been impractical. <laughs> you, you, she would have had to be working 40 hours a day. When I say it was a failed business, it was failed in that when I realized how much time was really required at the prices I had set, it, it wasn't going to make enough money for us to continue. It, it's not like we went bankrupt. It wasn't a failed business in that regard. It was just like, I think my time could be better used elsewhere. Sadly, what we are calling a failed business, a lot of people consider a successful business. It was profitable. We yes. don't consider time. It was profitable. And I had sales. I had lots of sales. Yeah. If you looked at her Etsy shop profile, it had a ton of sales, fantastic feedback. And the problem that we had was the amount of time and effort for the money wasn't worth it. And there is an army of businesses like that on Etsy. Yeah. They don't you know? care about the time that they're investing into it or their, their own personal skills that, that maybe someone else didn't have. Like I, I had the skills to create this, this custom handmade card. And I know you wouldn't have been able to do that. No, my know? card, I would have gotten a lot of refund requests. I think there were a couple times where you actually would sit down and make a card with me. And I thought that was cute, <laughs> but your she, cards look terrible. She probably never, she probably never <laughs> shipped a single one. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> She's like, I'll put that in my husband box and then I'll throw it out a year from now. <laughs> you know, but yeah, they, they, they don't consider the time investment. And, and that's what really to me made it a failed business was I was like, my time is better used elsewhere. And this is the stuff that I think, like, again, on Shark Tank, like, they talk about how, oh, they'll highlight, oh, you're working for free in your business. Of course it's profitable right now. What happens when you actually have to hire employees to do this? Will you be able to hire employees and still stay profitable? Probably not. Right. right? And these but are... Go ahead. I was going to say, you had another example that I thought was really cool about karate. Yeah. So... When you get into niching down, right? Like I said, you're limiting your market, right? For a strategic reason. You're mm -hmm. like, I don't want the competition of everyone else. And so 
it got me thinking about martial arts, right? And there's karate karate cl uh, classes all over the place, right? It's, right, we got one like three minutes away. Yeah, you go to most strip plazas have some type of karate school. It's all over the place. It's probably one of the most affordable of the martial arts to get into, right? Right. Now, that has the the mass market appeal, right? Because most parents are like, I want an after-school karate program, you know. But there's a ton of different types of martial arts, right? There's, you know, jiu-jitsu, taekwondo. Um, there's... I don't know. I don't know them. So you can't look at me. For no, no, it's fine. <laughs> there's a ton of them. But another one, and this is one that I actually did, was Krav Maga. Right. And it is a completely, it's completely different than karate, right? There's also a much smaller market for it. Yes. Okay? And so... Whereas I could go and probably get $50 classes over at, you know, any of these local studios. My classes were, what was it, like $120? It was, yeah, it was something Yeah, they were very expensive because there's literally, and actually one of the places ended up closing up. But in the probably a 30 or 40 mile radius around me, there was like two Croft Maga schools. Right, because right? it was just such a specific part of karate yeah there's or, there or martial, martial arts, arts. There, there are dozens if not hundreds in that same radius for karate but there was only two for krav maga and both of them were priced over a hundred dollars mm -hmm. you know and so that's one of those things that it, it's a demonstration of when you are specialized right because right, the, the the people running those lessons had to have the certain skills to teach a krav maga class yeah and they, they, yeah, they had all the special training. The one, the guy that I was being trained under, he had actually gone over to Israel because Krav Maga is a, a form of martial arts that was made by the um, Israeli Israeli Defense Force. And so he had actually gotten trained and certified, I guess, over in Israel and then came over here and started his school. And so that's very different than how karate is done around yeah. here, right? And, you know, you can get, I could go and start. You know, I, I'm not trying to make it sound easier. Right? I'm not going to be like, I'd be a black belt tomorrow. No. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you have more opportunity in karate, right? But it's got broader appeal. It's a larger market. You know, and once you go more specific, you get more um, niche. You can, you not only can you charge more, you have to charge more, right? You know, the classes that I were taking, they were not flooded with people, no. right? Because a lot of people have no idea, not only how to spell Krav Maga, which is actually pretty simple, but what it is right know. but for every one krav maga student you'd have to have three four even maybe five regular karate students exactly you know and so when when you niche down expect that your prices are going to go up right don't sell yourself short you know obviously you have to make sure that your prices make sense right will people be willing to pay they will not pay five hundred dollars for your bar of soap probably Right. And again, that goes back to the planning of your, your products. Exactly. You know, but figuring out what you're off because you may find out from the beginning, right? If you had done a more critical assessment of the card business, you might've realized from the beginning, right? This business isn't doable. Right. Would I have been able to charge $20 for my card? Maybe for some people, maybe. Yeah. And there are things that you can do, right? I actually had an idea to, to pivot the business and it probably wouldn't have worked, but it was just a, you think of crazy ideas, right? When you get, when you think of crazy things, you might come upon an idea that's actually really good. My idea was go for like the ultra high end market, 
like make the cards with like super premium uh, materials and then actually ship them out in like a wooden display box and then charge like hundreds of dollars. And like, basically it would be gifts for like an attorney graduating from university and stuff like that. Right. You know, and that was one of my ideas for kind of pivoting the business towards something that could be, it would reduce the number of customers. It would increase the price per customer and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And at that point it wouldn't have been really a greeting card so much as a, a, like physical memento like that you wanted to keep and display, yeah. you know, like some, a keepsake. Exactly. You know, and, and I, again, that was just a guess, you know, there may be no market for that, but I certainly knew that wasn't where I wanted to go with it. And, you know, I didn't want to pursue that. And so that's why we, we consider it the failed Etsy business. That wasn't really a fail, but it, it was in our eyes because we can see opportunity cost. Exactly. And, and I wanted to bring this up, especially for online businesses, because I see this stuff all the time mm-hmm. is someone will launch their product and it's the only product that they have. And then they're like, they're priced at seven bucks just because everyone else is pricing at $7. And it's like, you can't build a real business around a $7 product. You have to sell hundreds, if not thousands every single month to have a reasonable quality of life. Right. And it's like, if you need to figure out what's your plan past that, right? Your if your plan is I have a PDF, like I wrote a book or whatever, it's I'm going to sell a digital book for seven dollars. You need to have a plan beyond that. What else can you do with that business or with that book? What else can you do with that product to get more revenue? Because there is no question, if you have a single product that costs like seven dollars, you need to be doing something else too. We're going to talk about that in future episodes, but I hope you enjoyed this one. You take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fearless Together. Make sure you subscribe and learn more at fearless.fm. That's F-E-A-R-L-S-S dot F-M. To your continued success.